Welcome to the Scalar Learning Podcast, the ultimate education show on the forefront of the burgeoning edtech revolution. Join us each week as we interview the most cutting-edge edtech companies, content creators, and curriculum developers across the planet. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Scalar Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Huzefa, as always. And today we have got a representative from an amazing educational organization called the Geek Group. So what is the Geek Group? Well, the Geek Group is a not-for-profit educational organization based in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Michigan is, of course, the state where I'm from. And they have over 2,700 members around the world. Their major aim is to provide access to science, technology, engineering, and math by developing programming and facilities for individuals and institutions to learn, explore, innovate, and play at an independent pace according to their needs. I've checked out their website. I've checked out their YouTube channel especially, and it's really, really interesting. All sorts of information about... Uh, dinosaurs about machines and uh, mechanical objects uh, really funny series that I'd, I want to hear more about in terms of electricity and what seems to be a series of videos where a certain amount of electricity is given to devices to actually make them overload and explode which which is actually really fun to watch uh, but anyways who we have on today is the executive director of the geek group Liz Bacht and without further ado Liz welcome to the show Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So tell us about the Geek Group. What is it and how did it how did it start? Well, the Geek Group started in 1994 and it was a very organic process. It was just people going, you know, things work a lot better when I'm interested in making something or exploring it if I don't have to do this all myself. And that's kind of the philosophy that we've carried over since we began 24 years ago. Um, We've met a lot of people who have really exciting ideas and want to learn new skills, but don't have access to the tools or equipment to do it. And rather than investing in that on your own, you can come here and work on things that would otherwise be out of reach. Now, when you first began or when the organization first began in 1994, was it as broad in terms of all the different disciplines that it touches upon or was it more focused? It was definitely more focused and it has grown in the directions where we've had people express interest and where we've had the job markets go and we've just kind of followed where the interests are. Let's talk a little bit about the YouTube channel. When did you guys first launch a YouTube channel? I'm not exactly certain when it uh, first started, but we started taking it fairly seriously in 2010. Okay. And now, if uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe you have over 90,000, somewhere in the zone of like 93,000 subscribers. Is that correct? Yes. So how did that – th- that's what I'm fascinated with in, as a general matter because I have an education YouTube channel as well. I'm going to uh, VidCon and so on and so forth. I think it's such an amazing space, especially for educators. How did you guys grow it into such a massive following? It's all been very organic. We started making videos where we explained a lot of the science that we do here. Tesla coils are one of our – primary scientific endeavors, and that's actually a large part of how the Geek Group started. So we started making Tesla coil videos, and then we started making videos about the tools that were involved in making the Tesla coils, and it snowballed from there. 
Now, did you receive messages from people who had watched your videos and tried to create Tesla coils on their own? Yes, that we get that on a regular basis. So if I were an educator and I were curious about sharing that process with my class, what's the what's the process in terms of coming down, checking out the facilities, trying to collaborate with your organization or learn from your organization? How does that work? Uh, we have schools and different educator groups come and visit us all the time. And we work with kindergarten all the way through postgraduate students. So obviously the process will vary quite a bit depending on where you fall within that range. But we have students who come and just get really excited about how it works and other groups of students who come and work with it much more in-depthly. Do you have groups or schools from all across the country or is it primarily concentrated from, from Michigan schools? Visiting us in person tends to be focused on the Michigan area as well as northern Indiana and northern Illinois. And what about touring? Do you guys go to or do you guys send representatives out to other schools? I work at a school. The reason why I ask is I work at a school in Los Angeles in the Pacific Palisades area. We primarily have students come visit us. We've learned that that tends to be a much more exciting experience. We have giant robots and the Tesla coils, and those don't travel very well. Them, them. That is actually why we started making videos is because we had people super interested in it, but I can't take a giant robot and put it in the back of my car. Now, I saw one of the videos where two gentlemen are attempting to dismantle a giant robot arm. I can't remember the name of it, of the device, but it was a huge robot. Is that something that when students are there, they get to actually watch one of those machines get uh, dismantled? And I believe it's called a or the cha- on the channel is called a robot autopsy or machine autopsy. Is that something that they get to actually watch in person? So the um, equipment autopsies, that's one of our more popular video series. That's something that we only do for video. Uh, the process of shooting the video tends to be a little bit longer than is usually involved in a student group. But we have had students express interest in participating with it, and we will work with them, not on camera, but we, we will go through some of that. Over the last 24 years, especially as the YouTube channel has grown and your social media presence has gotten so large, what are some of the messages that you've gotten maybe from teachers and students alike in terms of the types of impact that your educational, you, that the way that you provide education, how, how is it impacting students in terms of career objectives and so on? So one of the biggest things that we do with our videos is we try to make education something that's fun, funny, and enjoyable instead of strictly focusing on let's cover a topic of science. We absolutely do that, but we we want it to be funny. And one of the biggest things that we've noticed from educators is that when the students think it's exciting and they watch that abuse of power series where we blow things up with electricity, they start getting curious about it. And then they start diving more in depth into things like the equipment autopsies and the instructional videos. And they have the patience to go through it because they found something that they already liked with it instead of trying to start straight at the technical aspects. And that's exactly what the EdTech revolution right now is all about. I talk about it on the show every time I bring somebody on. I got to say, it's it's really about two things. I was just talking to somebody about this earlier today. It's about two things in my belief, in my opinion. Number one is fun, making it more engaging and fun. Number two is access. And I think you guys are hitting both of those objectives very nicely. Let's talk about this abuse of power series because I have to say it caught my eye. And it is really fun to let – me, let me give it a little quick synopsis. It's taking different devices 
devices. I assume you're overloading it with I don't know what the voltage is. And these devices literally explode. There was one, uh, an e-cigarette that just exploded. Uh, there's a hairdryer that blew up. I mean, it's crazy. Tell us, first, where did that idea come from? And then maybe let's talk a little bit about the technical aspect of how much voltage are you have to supply and so on. So it started because um, we have this demonstration item that we use with field trips that we put a small piece of metal in and we blow it up. And if you do that enough times with a bunch of students, when we're done working with the students, it's inevitable that somebody will say, well, I wonder what happens if we put a pop can in it, or I wonder what happens if I put a spatula in it. And it's pretty easy to escalate from there, um, especially with nerds who are curious about things. And so we started sharing that as videos. We do it with um, the Project Thumper that explodes things, but we also have some other tools that can squish or uh, we have a giant death ray that we bring out into the sun and we'll set things on fire with it in the parking lot. Is that death ray meaning like a giant magnifying glass? Basically, it's a giant curved mirror. So we'll aim it so that it's hitting both the sun and the object that we put in the parking lot. Hmm. <laughs> Sounds amazing. Okay, so let, let, let's just go back to the abuse of power. W- what, is this, what is the general formula in terms of overloading the circuits? I assume you have to do it just right in order to get that explosion. What's the general formula that you need to apply in terms of what it's supposed to take and how much you have to provide? So we use um, an impulse array. I'm not 100% certain on the specs, but it is about 80,000 um, amps. And so what tends to work best is just wrapping the object with something that conducts electricity, usually some wire or mesh, and the object inside, once we dump the full load onto it, it tends to explode. And I saw in some of those explosions that you hear a noise a few times. It, it To me, it sounded like you run the current, you stop it, run the current, stop it, and then like on the third time it explodes. Is that right or is that noise just throwing me off? I I'm not sure what you're hearing with the noise. We usually do it as one explosion, but the room does echo quite a bit. So that might be where that's coming from. It tends to be a one hit wonder. Got it. So what are some of the initiatives or new projects that the Geek Group is currently working on that we can expect to see in the near future? Well, we just finished doing a complete overhaul of our high voltage lab so that we can have more lightning. We're working on a much bigger um, set of Tesla coils that we were able to do things to getting a Faraday cage put around the entire high voltage lab. And we are also in the process right now of wrapping up the construction of our recording studio. Recording studio for making videos? Making videos, making um, records, music albums, just like we provide access to things like giant robots for people to use. We felt it was important to branch that into some more creative areas and we will have a recording studio that is available for students to use. That is amazing. And I don't know if you probably haven't checked out our channel yet, but we do all sorts of math music videos. Math is near and dear to my heart, and so is music. So the combination of that is amazing. Now, are you encouraging students to use the recording studios to make science-based music, or is it just music in general? We encourage people to find something that interests them. So if it means that you start out doing some sort of music that you just find exciting and interesting to yourself, that's a good entry point. We are also looking for students to start getting interested in the other aspects of it, such as the the technical control, editing, mixing, things like that. And we found that with a lot of areas in our facility, if you just get really excited to start, as you get more comfortable with it, then you can start getting more technical with it. 
I love that. I think there's such a connection between music and essentially understanding sound and science. I mean, it's obvious. It's undeniable. But rarely have I ever seen, I don't think I've ever heard of an educational institute that's focused around STEM, you know, science or technology, mathematics, actually invest to put in a, a recording studio because that's an expensive endeavor. But I think that's amazing. Uh, and wow, students are so lucky if they get to go and use that. Now, you're... In ter- so you're, you're doing all this development there. In terms of the YouTube channel over the next year, what and what basis can we expect to see new material? And do you guys have any new series that you have on the forefront? So I don't believe we have any new series in mind right now, but what we are working on is investing a lot into our current series. We've spent much of the winter going through um, Common Core and Next Gen educational standards so that the new videos we release are hitting all of the marks for students and will be able to use be used in the classroom. And are you guys focusing any content towards standardized tests like the SAT or ACT? I'm not sure if we have any plans for that right now. We tend to focus on abstract concepts. That works really well for us. For parents, teachers, and or students that are listening right now, what are some of the biggest messages in terms of how to approach education, how to approach school for those folks, either for teachers who are finding their students a bit disconnected or vice versa, a student who's just not feeling engaged? What would be your first key tips of advice on how to get that engagement going? What we found works with all of our students every single time is finding something that interests that person and then using that as an entryway into any subject that you need. If they really like drawing, you can do math through drawing. If you really like, we had a student who loved anime and we use that as his entry point. And the next thing you, you know, he's doing CAD to make a 3D model of his favorite anime character. And you learn math when you do that. What is amazing about the world of YouTube, but beyond the world of YouTube, just the, the World Wide Web, is that I think you can find a lot of people combining various passions with different dis- disciplines. And I think that even that is a starting point to look around and see what other folks are doing in those creative spaces involving standard educational pathways. That can be your starting point to then add to that. So I think, that, I think that's amazing advice. And with all the different options now available for students to learn how to edit, record, and do all these different things, yeah, it's just it's just really endless. So that's that's amazing advice. Uh, Liz, if, thank, you, thank you so much, first of all, for coming on. If people want to learn about the Geek Group or check out all the exciting things you guys are doing, how do they do that? Uh, we're pretty easy to find online. We're at thegeekgroup.org, and we can be found on YouTube also as The Geek Group. All right, so you just go ahead and search for The Geek Group. If you didn't get a chance to write down the website, well, it's a podcast, so you can always rewind. But if you don't want to rewind... And just go to our website, scalarlearning.com, and go to the podcast section, and all that information, all those links will be provided there. We'll even get you some good links on some of these really, really interesting abuse of powers, uh, abuse of power videos. So definitely check that out. So once again, Liz, thank you so much. And guys, make sure to check out our YouTube channels. Just go to YouTube and search for Scalar Learning. We got math videos on the SAT coming out every Wednesday. We also got a whole series of math music videos that you got to check out in new podcast episodes. Drop every Monday. Thank you so much for joining. I'll see you guys next time. Take it easy. Scalar,